Thanks for listening to the Get Over Yourself podcast brought to you by Carol Fit Stationary Bike Program 8-Minute Workouts to Get Super Fit. Perfect Keto, the cleanest, highest potency ketone supplements. MOFO, male optimization formula with organs to boost testosterone. Let's get checked at home testing kits. Try lgc.com. Almost heaven, beautiful compact home use sauna kits. Brad's macadamia masterpiece, the mind-blowing nut butter blend. And check out bradkerns.com slash shop my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance. And here we go with the show. I've been fascinated with the game of life and, and, and learning and growing and adapting and becoming more so that um, I could have more, be more, do more, give more, etc. What we don't learn, or maybe let me rephrase, what I didn't learn is um, a lot of what I teach now in, in the arena of money to all my students is there's um, a skill set for earning, there's a skill set for managing, there's a skill set for investing, there's a skill set for protecting, and there's a skill set for using debt as leverage or getting out of debt faster. So instead of saying I'm gonna lose the weight in 90 days, I said, how do I lose fat in a healthy way so that I can sustain it? And the answer for me was I had to change my lifestyle and then the diet would follow. I had to make a commitment to the type of life and energy and vitality and relationships that I want to have with my children, my wife, etc. So it wasn't about a diet, it was about making a lifestyle change. Hey, listeners, get ready for a powerhouse show from John Asaraf. This show has the potential to change your life. I like people with their A-game on fire, and this guy brought it for an hour of power. Absolutely fantastic peak performance, motivation, brain training. He is a two-time New York Times bestselling author, and his new book is called Inner Size, the new science to unlock your brain's hidden power. Already hit number one on Amazon. This guy is a leader in the business world and in the peak performance scene. He's been on Larry King, Ellen DeGeneres, Anderson Cooper, all kinds of stuff. And what a pleasure to welcome him to the Get Over Yourself podcast. I got to say, he was actually kind of a cold pitch. His PR firm said, hey, do you want to interview this guy? And I'm like, sure, why not? Okay. And oh my goodness, my hand was writing furiously, my head was nodding, and you are going to get some wonderful insights centered upon the content of his book. But it's a great story. John has been through an assortment of successes and failures. He's had great business success and wealth, and then he's lost all that wealth and gained it back. And now he's really focusing on the coaching aspect and helping other people. So you can go visit his website and get involved, get the book. I think this show set the record for the most notes ever taken. I called him Tony Robbins without the hype and the excess because it was highly motivating and illuminating things about how we build good habits and how we get stuck in bad habits. John will tell you about the Frankenstein brain and the Einstein brain and how to smoothly integrate those two, get some emotional control and some good rational thinking and skills implemented. I'm going to give you just a little teaser and then he's going to take it away. But he has these things in the book called Inner Size Habits. He said he has about 20 of them. And just a couple here that he talked about. The first one was when you're under stress or you're facing difficult times, take six and calm the circuitry. So if you take six slow, deep diaphragmatic breaths, you will instantly change your brain chemistry and your body chemistry to deactivate the sympathetic nervous system, which is when you get frazzled and can't make good decisions and can't stick to your goals and plans and instead get distracted and pulled away. And then the second of the habits is to engage now that you've taken your six calm breaths, right? AIA, awareness, intention, and taking action. 
And this guy is big on taking action. He tells you an amazing story to end the show. So you got to listen to the end, uh, talking about his appearance on the movie The Secret and his experience with the famous law of attraction. You know, when you cut out uh, a fancy car or a beautiful home from the magazine and paste it on your vision board and then manifest those things. And oh boy, this story will top any that you've heard along these lines. So please enjoy this wonderful, inspiring, motivating conversation from John Asaraf, author of Inner Size. Hey, John. Give me just one second. How are you? Great. I'm sorry I'm late. I I was like uh, stepping outside and there shows up my neighbor who was gone for three months. So I I, uh, I had to chat a little bit and I said, I got to go do a podcast. She said, what's a podcast? So, <laughs> you know, it's pretty big time, but not, not as, not as big as we might think, right? If no one doesn't even know what it is. Well, listen, there, there's so many that do know what it is. It's not a big deal. Yeah, it's cool. Hey, nice, nice um, choice of clothes today. Thanks. Yeah, we're, we're matching. Very sharp. And I just finished a uh, one week uh, vegan keto diet. So oh, one week. Yeah. Wow. What was that all about? Um, every quarter I do um, a little uh, intermittent fasting and a um, little keto action. So, Oh, just every quarter. And then you go back to sort of a baseline? Um, just baseline. Uh, I eat you know, my complex carbs and I've been vegan for about eight years. So eat, oh. pretty, eat pretty clean to begin with. So not a lot of simple sugars anyway. So complex, yeah. complex carbs, good fats. Yeah, for my uh, muscle building and workouts. So. Yeah, you're working out hard, huh? Uh, I don't know about hard, but I work out consistently. Yeah, what kind of stuff? Um, biking, a little running, hiking, stairmaster, strength training. Um, you know, weights, uh, TRX, a little bit of everything. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, instead of I'm, I'm writing an article right now about how it might be better to, you know, broaden your your fitness ambitions rather than focus on one thing like the endurance scene or even the, you know, people that are huge on spinning or CrossFit. It's, it's so easy to get tired and burnt out because you're, yeah. you're trying to get really super good at something and push the edge, you know? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I don't know how old you are, but uh, I'm uh, fifty-five, man. We're in the same zone. I'm, I'll be fifty-nine in a couple of months. And All right. For me, it's uh, how do I how do I keep everything working optimally? You know, uh, so that I can ski in my seventies and eighties and nineties. So that's my focus yeah. now is for now. But also, how do I make sure that I don't have so much wear and tear? Yeah, you know, that, that I'm injuring. Uh, I've had enough injuries. That I'm sure you have as well. <laughs> and, uh, and so now it's a more of sustain- sustenance, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they, there's no bigger incentive to do the little drills and the annoying little mini band things than I, I know this is preventing injury. So I will hit those things hard until I'm screaming in pain. Because if I can get my glutes going, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking good. Yeah, I feel like. Uh, we're in a good groove here. I should have recorded all that, but I'll, I'll ask you about your fitness thing again. Sure. Uh, so I say Asaraf. Asaraf, John Asaraf. We are on it, man. And we're already on fire. So I, I had to push record because we've been talking about your interesting fitness regimen, but we're here to uh, get into the, the power of the brain and inner size. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what you've been up to and uh, about this wonderful new book. Uh, sure. You know, what I've been up to is just, you know, trying to understand uh, more about our miraculous trillion dollar brain, as I like to think of it. And um, just what we're learning, discovering about the brain around uh, fears and self-image and limiting beliefs and behavior and, you know, why we do the things we do. Why is it so hard to change? Why don't we do the things we know we should do and want to do? So I'm just fascinated with understanding myself better, of course, first, and then uh, whatever it is that I discover, you know, and apply, then I want to teach it to the people who follow my work and my audience and my sons and my wife and my family, uh, all in, in um, pursuit of just, you know, being happy and healthy in every area of life. So not just, you know, financially, which is what a lot of people focus on, 
Uh, I place a lot of value on my uh, spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical health and well-being uh, above all else. And so uh, how do I do more of that so that I can enjoy this journey called life even more? Well, I like how you reference that you test it out on yourself or you try to go for self-improvement and then share the message because there is some uh, fallout, I think, from the age of social media and the gurus and the people presenting this manufactured lifestyle up there uh, look no further than celebrities who it seems like they have it all and they're uh, flying around on their private jets and then you know, they, they crash their car into the telephone pole. They, they can't even get straight with, you know, normal everyday life. So uh, that's probably a good entry point to share a message with other people is what's worked for you. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting is, you know, as you say that, um, I'm fascinated with why does that happen? Right. And so, for example, um, you know, I've, I've been divorced twice and then now happily married with my wife for 21 years. Um, I have uh, made a lot of money and I've lost a lot of money. <laughs> I have been 238 pounds and um, a borderline diabetic, borderline hypertensive, and um, you know had 33% body fat. And now I'm at 197 pounds for the last 11 years and 14% body fat and healthy. So the reason I share this with you is I'm no different than anybody else. My The difference for me is like, why, you know, um, did I let myself, let's say, get out of shape when I know that it's healthy? Why did I lose millions of dollars, you know, when I knew, you know, management skills for money and protecting skills? Um, you know, so I've been fascinated with the game of life and, and, and learning and growing and adapting and becoming more so that um, I can have more, be more, do more, give more, etc. So the guinea pig part is I'm curious in understanding me better, and it consistently comes back to what's happening between my two ears. It consistently comes back to me. So as much as I can say, it's him, it's her, it's this, it's that, uh, no, it's me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was talking to a dating expert, and uh, he was mentioning how, you know, the last 38 dates, nothing really happened. They didn't go anywhere. And what was the common denominator that all those women had is that they dated the same guy, you in the mirror. Pretty funny. Yeah. yeah he was at the scene of all, all the crimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mercy. Well, just on that money question, I'm wondering, because you've heard this so many times, uh, you know, gain and lost a fortune. Is that possibly a part of the picture where you have to be willing to take these risks and lose your shirt so that you can get a nicer shirt someday? Um, Well, I think you have to be willing for that to happen in order for you to, you know, to have the chance at becoming wealthy. Uh, Sometimes you have to risk stuff. Now, what we don't learn, or, or maybe let me rephrase, what I didn't learn is um, a lot of what I teach now in, in the arena of money to all my students is there's um, a skill set for earning, there's a skill set for managing, there's a skill set for investing, there's a skill set for protecting, and there's a skill set for using debt as leverage or getting out of debt faster. Now, I always had a really great skill set for earning, but I didn't learn some of the management, investing, and protecting skills until I did. And the reason I did is because I made a lot of money at a very, very young age, lost a lot of money at a very, very young age, and then my coaches, mentors, and teachers said, okay, here were some of the errors in your thinking and your behaviors adjust those and everything will be fine. And then I made all the money back and have been able to maintain it. And so it was a function of me leveling up my awareness and my skills. There was nothing in the marketplace that caused me to do this, right? And so I just didn't have the awareness or the knowledge. So first and foremost, I took responsibility, which means I changed my ability to respond differently. And, um, and then, you know, I got really good at the five different pillars of financial success instead of one. Whew. So you mentioned the coaches, mentors. How actively did you go out and seek 
guidance outside of yourself? Uh, very. I have invested <laughs> over a million dollars in my own coaching and consulting that I have paid others over the last 25 years. Well, wow, it's like LeBron James, man. He, he supposedly he spends a million dollars on his body care and all that every year. A year. So, yeah. Is. And that's really what got me into the, you know, the neuroscience and neuropsychology field and really understanding uh, what is actually happening in my brain or as a result of what's happening in my brain. And that's why, you know, when I wrote my newest book, Inner Size, The New Science to Unlock Your Brain's Hidden Power, we already have all the tool. Right? We have that trillion-dollar brain, but we weren't given the user's manual for it. And so I just started to discover certain um, obstacles that hold people back, certain behaviors that hold people back, uh, and, and, and why that happens. And so that really became my fascination. I, I'm, I've been very, very curious my whole life. And so I've been curious with um, not just focusing on um, results, uh, but results are effects. All results that we experience are effects. And so I've been uh, wondering, what are the causes of the effects? So if we have a result that we love, it would be great to know, well, what caused you know, the behavior or the not taking action that yielded the result? And if we also, by default, have a result that we don't like or want, well, something caused that. Well, why not dive a little bit deeper, right, to, to understand um, what may be happening within me so that I can adjust? Well, I guess if we're blaming things outside of ourselves for all our misfortunes and shortcomings, uh, that could be a starting point. Uh, for example, that is the cause right there that you're going around blaming instead of taking responsibility. Did you make that up, uh, John, that uh, respond? What, what was responsibility again? Respond? My ability to respond instead of react. Um, yeah. What I, I love to talk about is, um, and I, I started to, to um, create this um, visual for people uh, in my book, Inner Size, and that is there's a part of our brain that's that Frankenstein part of the brain that I call, and then there's another part of our brain that's the Einstein part of the brain. And our Frankenstein brain reacts. Our Frankenstein brain operates out of a state of fear, uncertainty, doubt, stress, anxiety. Our Frankenstein brain is focused on, you know, what if? What if I fail? You know, what if I disappoint myself? What if I'm embarrassed, ashamed, ridiculed, or judged? And Frankenstein basically puts the brakes on our behavior. Uh, whereas Einstein, uh, which is part of our, what I call the, the left prefrontal cortex, that CEO, the executive director of our brain, you know, Einstein says, well, what can I do about this? What did I do right? What didn't I do right? What knowledge, what skills, what tool, what resource can I use to solve this? You know, what did I learn? What did I discover? How do I um, behave differently? How do I elicit you know, the motivation that I need to achieve the goal that I want. So while Einstein's focusing on solutions and how I can and why I will, Frankenstein's focusing on blame, shame, guilt, justification, and stress and anxiety. And the truth is we have both of those capabilities within us and the razor's edge, the, the difference that makes the difference between those who succeed and those who don't succeed as much is mindset. Mindset is what separates the best from the rest. So the more I can master my own mindset and my emotional resiliency, the more I can overcome the things that are in my way and the more that I can actually be inspired into action to achieve my goals and dreams. And, um, and that's really how you win the game. Hey, ladies. You may have heard me talk about Gaines Wave treatment for improving male penile vascular health and sexual function, and maybe you thought, hey, what about my needs? Well, Gaines Wave has got you covered with a revolutionary new treatment protocol called Gaines Wave for Her. 
As with the male Gainswave treatment, a skilled practitioner uses a handheld device to send low-intensity shock waves into your vaginal area to stimulate a healing response, promote increased blood circulation, and the growth of new blood vessels after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results with Gainswave reporting an 80% success rate. Some benefits. You will revitalize your intimate relationships with heightened sensation and arousal and enhance pleasure and satisfaction. Don't contemplate invasive procedures or uncomfortable medical treatments. Regain confidence and reclaim your sexuality with Gaines Wave for her. You visit the website, gainswave.com, G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area. You complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, so please visit gainswave.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area and take advantage of of my special promo that you'll mention when you find your local practitioner. Buy six treatments and get one free. So the Frankenstein sounds like the emotional reactivity and the uh, lack of emotional control. And I'm, I'm thinking of some insights that I got from Mark Manson, who uh, the best-selling author of uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck and his new book, uh, Everything is Fucked, a book about hope. And he was saying that... Um, you need to get buy-in from your emotional brain as you're pondering your courses of action with your rational brain. And it was an interesting take on that. I wonder how you feel about that because we, we are going to have those emotions and those insecurities. We want a bigger boat than our neighbor, but maybe we shouldn't be spending it right now. We should be paying off our credit cards. So these things are still going to be swirling around our brain regardless of how much work we do on ourselves, right? And so you're going to have to make friends. It seems like Frankenstein and Einstein are going to have to make friends at some level. You got it. You can use Frankenstein as fuel for your success. Now, what Mark is discussing is, the, is this battle between the limbic part of the brain and the uh, prefrontal cortex of the brain. And the emotional response center of our brain is part of our our second to develop part of our brain. So we had, you know, that reptilian part, the instinctual part of our brain that's there for survival, safety, avoidance of pain, avoidance of discomfort. You know, the emotional the middle part of our brain, that limbic and emotional system that is triggered, you know, automatically based on the subconscious patterns and associations that we have at the subconscious level. And then there's this you know, Einstein, executive functioning part of me says, yeah, but you can achieve this and you want this and you want that. And there is this constant battle. And the reason I actually created, as I mentioned, inner size is to give you the actual mental and emotional techniques to integrate all those parts of your brain. So when that Frankenstein brain is active and that sympathetic nervous system, you know, is, is causing you to react at the highest level of your training for that particular thing, um, how do you deactivate the reactive part of your brain? And how do you engage the part of your brain that can respond in a much better uh, fashion, in a much better, more empowered way? And, um, you know, inner size number one is called take six, calm the circuits. So the first thing you've got to do is take six deep breaths in through your nose as slowly as you can. And then breathe out through your mouth six times like you're breathing out through a straw. And those six breaths, if it takes you six, seven, eight seconds, just to breathe in gently, slowly, 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 slowly. And then as you exhale, even slower, focusing on a straw in your mouth and you're breathing out that airflow, that deactivates the sympathetic nervous system. Now in this deactivated calm state where you can respond, you can do what I call as inner size number two. And inner size number two is called AYA, A-I-A. And what is AYA? AYA stands for awareness, intention, action. So awareness, awareness of what? In a calm, relaxed state, I can become aware of my thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, and let's just say the behaviors that I've taken or not taken for the last hour. 
in an aware state without judging myself, blaming, shaming, feeling guilty, or justifying the behavior or the thoughts or the emotions, now I can ask myself, I can use my higher cortical function, my Einstein brain, I could say, what's my intention for the next hour? My intention is to be focused, happy, aware, in action towards my goals and dreams. And once I have that intention, now I can say, what's one small tiny little action I can take towards that. So I could smile. I could get myself into a state of empowerment. I could focus on that goal that I want to achieve. I want to get in shape. Do one push-up. If I want to get in shape, you know, just lift your knees up five times to your elbows. Do something small that empowers you and moves you towards that goal, vision, or dream that you have. Now what I'm doing is now I'm being deliberate. Now I'm training my brain to be calm so I can respond, and now I can prime all of the motivational circuits and behavioral circuits in my brain to move me in the direction of where I want to be instead of moving away from what I want. Now, those two simple inner sizes are one of about 20 that I – Um, that I have as my core ones, but when I'm in control, when I'm being delivered, when I'm reinforcing constructive, positive patterns, then by default, I am actually rewiring and re-strengthening key neural circuits in my brain that helps me develop the habits that become part of my automatic self or default mode network. And the more I can create constructive, positive, empowering habits, those habits then create me. Oh, mercy. People, did you listen to that? Are you going to rewind the tape a little bit? I mean, if you, if you just give two and end the show, we are rocking and rolling. But 20, I'm going to, you know, oh my gosh. I mean, and I think we need to emphasize just how powerful that, that breathing exercise you give. I mean, you are literally changing the cellular uh, makeup in your body with breathing, you're, you're deactivating the sympathetic state with a few deep breaths. And I think we pay lip service to it too much. Now breathing's getting popular. Wim Hof is out there doing his amazing feats of endurance and teaching other people to do so. So I love that starting point of just take those deep breaths and then uh, transfer over to number two, um, AIA. That, that's big, man. And I was, uh, I was wondering, John, why not a big gigantic action? Because you said a small, tiny action. Uh, um. So whenever we're looking at creating a new habit, I like to teach all of my students and clients to reduce it to the ridiculously small. So all of the neuroscience and neuropsychology research shows that when you start off with a very small, simple step and you release that dopamine in your brain, for taking action, your brain says, oh, you did something in the direction of your goals and dreams. Uh, That affects your self-esteem positively. It affects your confidence positively. It builds a neural pattern of you being an action taker and a goal achieving person versus a goal setting person. So when we take small little action steps, we're actually firing the neurons in our brain that start to get wired around that behavior. And when we focus on the habit first, instead of the intensity or duration, we can always add intensity or duration next. So what's more important, the habit or the intensity or duration? So I prefer my clients to take one little action step a day for 100 days than 60 minutes once a week. Why? Because if I can get you to do something a little bit every day for 100 days. We know that it takes between 66 days and 365 days to create a neural pattern in our brain that becomes part of the default mode network or the automatic self. So if I get you to do something for 100 days, I can then increase intensity and duration and and all that other stuff afterwards. Now, a lot of times, the bigger the action is, the more resistance we feel. Why? Our brain's third Uh, uh, greatest uh, hierarchy of how it operates is conservation of energy, not expenditure of energy. It's conservation of energy. So if our brain says, oh my God, that's going to take a lot of energy, 
you're going to meet resistance. And we don't like change. The only human that likes change is a wet baby. And so why not reduce the resistance to the ridiculously small so you have a win? And once you have a win, you want another win. And once you have another win, you have another win. And so I tell all of my clients, whenever you hear that voice in your head, oh, I'm tired, I don't feel like it, I want you to override that. Says, I know you don't feel like it, but just do a little bit anyway. I know you don't want to, but do a little bit anyway. I know, you know it's not the right time, but I'll just do something instead of nothing. So you start to teach yourself to override your natural propensity to want to stay in your comfort zone. And when you teach yourself to override your natural propensity to overcome your comfort zone, then you actually develop a habit of overcoming your comfort zones. Right? So what happens to your comfort zone now? It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You got it. And so when we talk about, you know, our comfort zones expanding, you know, whenever we're, whenever that Einstein brain gets kicked into gear, I'm sorry, the Frankenstein brain gets kicked into gear, usually that's a state of stress that it puts us in. And the definition of stress is when demand exceeds capacity. When demand exceeds capacity, my Frankenstein brain gets activated. So why not expand my mental capacity, emotional capacity, physical capacity, spiritual capacity, financial capacity by taking small little action steps that expand my capacity and my abilities. So instead of, you know, saying I'm going to exercise, you know, uh, every day for an hour, uh, exercise every day for three minutes, for five minutes, for seven minutes, whatever, whatever it is that you cannot say no to. Wow. And it seems to be such a common pattern for people to put these big ambitions up there and then fail and then tell a story or blame. I wonder if the setting of an outsized goal is a a self-defeating prophecy or something. Well, um, there's a part of our brain, the Einstein brain, that actually sets the goal. But that is not the part of the brain that is responsible for the behaviors to fulfill that goal. Oh, mercy. That sounds like a crappy company where the, the managers are telling people how to run the assembly line, but they don't even visit it. That's right. So there isn't any problem with setting goals and everybody has goals and visions and a dream, but your habits that are part of the striatum and part of the brain that's responsible for the habitual way of thinking, feeling, and behaving if you don't integrate those two pieces, then you're going to have a brain in chaos. And what you have to create is coherence and harmony instead of chaos. A brain in chaos is a brain in stress. A brain in stress deactivates the motivational centers and the behavioral centers of the brain. And so, of course, it doesn't work. We were not taught the proper process in order to achieve goals. We were taught a process to set goals and to use imagination, but we weren't taught a process to actually make those goals achievable for us. And that's all based in neuroscience. And again, that's the passion and the fun that I have is understanding why do so few people actually achieve their goals? And uh, and we know the answers to that now. I'm also uh, looking at our environment and the, you know, influx of hyperconnectivity in our lifetimes, John, we can reference half our life where there was absolutely nothing. And now the most recent 20, 30 years of craziness that we couldn't even imagine back in the day when we were sitting around reading a book in the afternoon instead of getting hit with dings and and, and buzzes. Uh, So it seems to me, uh, you know, my main focus is creating content, writing books, uh, producing a podcast, things like that. But there's so much distractibility and potential for uh, entertainment and diversion. Uh, it seems like the the environment's really tough right now to to lock into that uh, powerful mindset. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the environment, there's a lot more stimuli. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot more distractions. Uh, there's a lot more um, people that are vying for our attention, whether it's, you know, on social media and ads, uh, texting us, uh, um, you know, crazy media on television, polarization, um, uh, uh, addictive games that we're playing on our apps that are all based in neuroscience. And so all the more reason for every one of us to uh, deliberately and consciously evolve ourselves so that these distractions don't control us. We control the distractions. 
So let's go back to, you know, processes. Do you have a process? Do you have a habit of allowing distractions to run your life? Or do you have a process and a habit for not allowing that to happen? Right. And so deliberate conscious evolution is really where the game is at right now. And we have to have a higher degree of self-discipline and self-regulation than we have ever had in the history of our species. And we also have more knowledge and many more tools to help us do that. So that means for the person who is going to be more self-disciplined, uh, they're going to be able to master their domain. And you, you, you probably know the saying from Jim Rohn many years ago. He says, in life, you're either going to pay the price of discipline or you're going to pay the price of regret. Discipline weighs ounces. Regret weighs tons. And so this is an opportunity, right, to level up your mental and emotional skills. And since we're dealing with a trillion-dollar brain that you already own and we're getting the user's manual for it, either you're going to choose to level up your skills or you're going to choose to be a victim of not doing that. It's your choice. That's where awareness comes in, right? And it's an awareness that you have choice. And you can either say, well, look what's happening over there. Look what's happening on social media. Look what's happening on television, radio, and all that stuff. Or you can say, wait, because of that, I'm going to gain more self-control, self-awareness, and I'm going to be more deliberate in what I do. And let everybody else not figure this out, but I'm going to be somebody who figures this out because I can. Well, you just blew my excuse out of the water, man. Good job. I love that. We have all the technology to to go beyond rather than rather than succumb. I'm also seeing a pattern, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to exclude myself from the uh, from the list here, but sometimes these distractions and diversions give us a payoff of instant gratification. So I decided to, uh, uh, you know, I I announced that I uh, want to lose excess body fat and and go on a diet. I'm all strategized. I'm going to do it. And then on a certain day, I decide that a bowl of popcorn and sitting there uh, watching, binge watching a series on Netflix is more alluring than sticking to my habits and my programming. And I wonder... Yeah, well, what, what, what you would have to say about that? I guess there's some balance. Uh, there's something to be said for busting loose once in a while and not being a peak performer. But Absolutely. I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I also reference, you know, there's some inner pain and suffering that we should embrace and recognize when we're talking out one side of their mouth that we love hot dogs, apple pie, and fireworks and sitting on the lawn chair for eight hours. And then the other side is going, wow, why do I... Uh, have 33% body fat and, and, and 234 pounds. And I'm, I'm putting it on you because I want to hear the story of how you evolved from someone who obviously let yourself go and didn't have a lot of things in place, especially your body, which is number one. Yeah. Um, so uh, on my 48th birthday, I went to um, get my annual physical and um, you know, got on the scale. Um, and then I went to, you know, my doctor came in for our two-hour annual physical and he says, wow, you gained another, you know, like 11 pounds this year. And, um, and at that time, I was drinking uh, way too much wine every single night. I was eating dessert every night. I was working out every morning, uh, tired, exhausted, got sleep apnea. Uh, my blood results came back with, you know, borderline, uh, my blood pressure was borderline hypertensive, uh, way too much sugar in my blood, so borderline diabetic, uh, overweight, exhausted, uh, not being able to ski with my children or have as much fun as I want with my children, you know, sore knees, inflamed, everything, feeling less than stellar. Um, and he said to me, he says, hey, you know, do you want to go on hypertensive medicine? Do you want to go on a, you know, on medication for your blood sugar? And I said, no, damn it, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to apply everything I've learned about business success, financial success, relationships. I'm going to freaking apply it, and I'm going to get into the best shape of my adult life by the time I'm 50. Uh-huh. And, and so I put myself on a slow path to 50, not a fast path. And knowing what I know about habits and behavior and changing um, uh, uh, the habitual thinking and emotions and behaviors, I put myself on a, a, a diet. Um, an exercise regimen. I hired a coach, a nutritionist, 
uh, and I put together an environment that fostered my uh, well-being. I gave up drinking alcohol, so I haven't had a drink in 12 years now. Um, I got into the best shape of my life by the time I was 50. I weighed 197 pounds, uh, felt great. Uh, then a couple years later, I became a vegan. Uh, and I want to just share something with you about vegan. I also uh, used to be a sugar-aholic <laughs> as well. So I would have like desserts every night. Uh, and I realized that the, the sugar was affecting my leptin levels, affecting my fat loss, affecting all that stuff. And again, this stuff that I had to learn. Uh, and so I gave up sugar as well, with one exception. Every once in a while, I'll have a carrot cake, even though I'm vegan. I'll have a crispy chocolate chip cookie, even though I'm vegan, to give myself a bit of that break every once in a while, but then I get right back on, you know, um, the proper nutrition and exercise program that um, sustains my uh, health and well-being. Uh, but what I did is I took two years to get to a baseline, and then I created a plan to sustain. So instead of saying I'm going to lose the weight in 90 days, I said, how do I lose fat, not weight, fat in a healthy way so that I can sustain it. And the answer for me was I had to change my lifestyle and then the diet would follow. I had to make a commitment to the type of life and energy and vitality and relationships that I want to have with my children, my wife, etc. And then I chose what's the right exercise program for me for what I love? What's the right eating plan for me so that I could feel fulfilled and, 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 and feel energetic, etc. So it wasn't about a diet. It was about making a lifestyle change. There you and go with the uh, coaches, trainers, nutritionists. So once again, you set up this environment for success and probably some accountability too, like heading to the appointment with the trainer. They're waiting for you at the gym. You're probably going to get a workout in that day. Yeah, I had actually a trainer come to my house six days a week for a year. Oof. Six days a week for a year. And some mornings, because I had sleep apnea, some mornings I, I literally would be laying on the floor and they would just be moving my body because I was too tired to exercise. But because I wanted to develop the commitment and the habit, I was willing to pay for somebody to show up so that I would show up because left to my own devices and my own mindset back then, I would just say, ah, I'll just stay in bed for another hour or two. But by having somebody in my house at 636 days a week, Sunday was my day off, but then I'd go for a walk. Um, I developed the habit of exercise or movement initially in order to develop the habit where I could do a little bit more intense work. And so I was committed to the outcome, though. That was, you know, I wasn't just interested in the outcome. I was committed to the outcome. And I wanted to, you know, I set a goal to teach my children's children when they were like, uh, they're 23 and 25 now. So when they were like, you know, 10, 11 years old, I said, I will teach your children how to ski or snowboard. I'm so excited to introduce you to Paluva. This is a new zero-drop minimalist shoe with the distinctive five-toe design from my main man, Mark Sisson. Paluvas give you the most authentic barefoot-style experience, but with sufficient cushioning so you can use them for all manner of daily movement, especially walking and many other fitness and athletic activities. Paluvas are also incredibly stylish, so you get a barefoot shoe that you're not embarrassed to wear around in daily life. It's been so cool to see the popularity of minimalist shoes grow over the recent years, but Paluvas are a step ahead of every other zero-drop wide-box shoe because of the critical feature of individual five-toe articulation, a separate slot for each of your toes. This allows for correct dynamic movement of the foot through the walking or running stride, which is impossible when your toes are encased into a single box, even a wide box. Well, you might know that minimalist shoes have faced controversy in recent years for causing injuries from inappropriate use. So here is the big picture mission. We want to get you walking in paluvas, living in your paluvas, going barefoot in your home or other safe areas as often as possible. Go ahead and use your specialized cushiony running shoes or your basketball shoes, work boots, high heels, things that you want to wear when you want to wear them, but wear your 
Paluvis as much as possible to reawaken the natural functionality of the human foot to stand, walk, run, and perform. Do you want to try a pair? I'm certain that when you put them on and walk around, you are going to quickly realize that these are the most comfortable, natural shoes that you've ever worn. They're designed to feel like you're, quote, walking barefoot on a putting green. Please visit paluva.com, that's P-E-L-U-V-A, and use the code Brad podcast and get 10% off your first pair. Paluvas, let your feet be feet. When they were 10 and 12 years old or 11 and 13, I said, I'm going to get into the best shape of my adult life and I'm going to sustain it so that when you have kids in 15 or 20 years, I will teach them how to ski or board, which is one of our um, uh, family activities that we love. And I've held up my step of the bargain. I told my kids, I'll get you into great shape when you're young. You keep me in great shape as I get older. Oh, I love it. That reminds me of my journey coaching my son in all the sports. And, you know, starting in third grade, my goal was to bring the heat to these guys. And so I I was the MVP of every team all through the years, just dominating in basketball, soccer, track, showing these guys how it's done. And then around ninth or 10th grade, I became like the bench warmer and then kicked off the edge of the bench. But, you know, the the, the journey of having something to, you know, to... um, to, to exchange and to, you know, make a contribution and uh, set an example as a participatory coach. Those were great motivators. And I'm, I'm hearing a little bit from the peanut gallery where they're going to have a reflective answer like, well, that's nice, but I can't afford to have a trainer come to my house every day. But there's so many ways to set up accountability. So I wanted to put a little plug in there. Like if you can get out the door and take a walk and text your friend, I walked again today. That's the same as John Asaraf having his fancy trainer come and, and get him up out of bed. So uh, let's, let's, you know, keep, keep the perspective here that setting these things up is very, very simple. They have apps now where you can donate $30. And if you don't complete your workout for the month, you owe it to your friend's favorite charity and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, we can, uh, you know, we can all have uh, stories and excuses, or we can have results, right? And so what are you most committed to the stories and excuses and reasons and circumstances? Or are you committed to achieving the results that you want? Because, you know, uh, a lot of my clients Uh, even though many of them cannot afford a trainer for one day, let alone for six days, uh, they can create accountability partnerships. They can find a friend, a husband, a wife, a child, a neighbor, somebody that's willing to do it with them because they also have the goal. And when we create, you know, partnerships of accountability, when we create processes and systems of how we can and we focus on how we can because we want to and we must versus why we can't because of all the obstacles uh, that goes back into if you're going to allow your stories your reasons your excuses or your beliefs to control your thinking you're going to be a victim of that thinking instead of being uh, somebody who figures out how can I Uh, that's the cutting edge. That's the bleeding edge. That's the razor's edge between those who achieve their goals and those who set and have goals. (laughs) Those who set and have goals. Raise your hand if you set and have goals. Wonderful. Congratulations. And then we go to the group who achieves them. Wow. Yeah, I'd I'd love to be uh, in both categories of setting goals and then achieving them. Uh, So I'm, I'm curious, back to uh, the, the the big guy that likes to drink wine and eat sugar and went to the doctor. So it sounds like you had this uh, this this trigger point in your life, which many people do. They they get the the dire warning from the doctor, uh, and then that's that was the impetus for turning around. So do these things exist for all of us, where we can uh, have these turning points, these forks in the road, where we're either going to make it happen or not? Yeah, and you know, unfortunately for me. You know, uh, I caught uh, a destructive pattern before it had major implications on my life. Um, So I caught it because, you know, I went to the doctor, I listened and I said, okay, you know, um, and I I remember having this visual, Brad, of saying, okay, imagine that I'm on a train and I'm on a certain track and I'm heading in a certain direction. Where is this heading? 
<laughs> Duh. Let me explain. Yeah. It was heading towards, you know, uh, obesity, heart attack, hypertension, you know, drugs uh, to me, you know, to help with all stuff. And I was like, no fucking way do I want to go there. I was like, like, no way am I going to stay on this train, on this track, heading to that freaking wall. Yeah, the, the first stop is CVS because we got to get all your pills yeah. before we can go anywhere on the train. And so I just said, no way. I refuse to make that my reality. And so that was the first thing, is just the awareness of what I was not willing to accept, okay? And we could do that in our health, wealth, relationships, career, business. We can do that on every one of the fronts that we play on, right? And that's every area of our life. And so you have to ask yourself, you know, where am I heading? How fast am I going there? And is the destination acceptable to me? If the answer is yes, good. Pick up speed, go faster. If the answer is no way, stop. Stop and ask yourself, what has to happen in order for me to turn around, get on a different train, and go in a different direction? What has to happen? What has to happen in my mindset? What has to happen in my emotional management? What has to happen in my skill set? What tools do I need? What resource do I need? Whose help can I listen? What book can I read? What program can I enroll in? What coach can I have? What accountability partner can help me? So once I make a decision that that's not acceptable, and I ask myself empowering questions, and then I get the answers and take some small actions towards those. When I do that, now I'm back to being empowered versus disempowered. Now I'm back to constructing, deliberately constructing my life and my results versus being a victim of circumstance or my habits that may be destructive. And so now I'm stepping back into my power. And I wanna make sure for me and for all of my students that we're at choice. We're at choice. So instead of reacting and, and playing out your habits day in and day out, you're at choice creating your outcome in your future instead of being a victim of circumstances or your habits. Love it, man. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm setting a record for most notes taken during a podcast, and I hope the listener is, is with me and, and fired up. I, I feel like you're, uh, you're Tony Robbins without all the hype and the excess. You're just cutting to the chase without, I mean, it, it's penetrating deep. I, I love this. And I, I have one question coming up where you're back in the, um, in the doctor's office realizing that you've let your physical health go and you resolve to apply the same skills that you had with business, money-making, and all that to, to your health goals. So you were excelling in certain areas of life, and then other areas had been neglected. And I'm looking at my scoreboard, my checkbox, right? I mean, I was an athlete. I had these fitness things that were wonderful. And, and, uh, but then, you know, how's your finances? How's your portfolio? And I would have to put a big, fat, uh, a frowny face on things and then sit back and ask myself, well, gee... You know, if I can train this hard to, to win a race on the pro circuit, why don't I have my whole game uh, on A plus level? And so maybe we can kind of cover that topic of how to leverage because almost everyone's successful in a few categories, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, whenever I, I take a look, you ask me, like, what's your net worth? I said, well, your <laughs> net worth, right, is, um, you know, your, your uh, assets less your liabilities. But if we're going to say, you know, what's your net worth financially, what's your net worth, you know, with your health? Are you, you know, are you positive or are you in a deficit? What's your net worth with your relationships, whether it's with your children, your mother, father, sister, brother, friends? Uh, what's your net worth, you know, how well your business is doing? Or, or let's, let's, let's analyze and, and put a net worth to all of our life just versus one area. Now, if you've achieved any level of discipline and positive net worth in one area, that discipline and process is transferable, right? So whenever I speak to, you know, whether it's an athlete that's achieved some success being an athlete, I ask him or her, um, 
How did you think about your athletic, you know, endeavors, whether it was running or biking or swimming or basketball or football or golf? Um, did you have any goals for that? Did you come up with a plan for how you were going to get better? Uh, what did you do with setbacks? What did you do to upgrade your knowledge and skills? Who did you hang around? Did you have a process um, that you that you could look at to go, here is how I became successful here? And then I would say, great, are you doing that in this area of your life? And 99 times out of 100, the answer is no, not to the level that I'm doing it here. I said, okay, so you know what to do. You're just not doing it here. So what if you applied the same level of focus, discipline, attention, and intention to this? Could you learn how to make money since there's more than enough money you know, on planet Earth. Could you learn how to manage it better? So if you made a dollar, could you learn how to manage that dollar? So you have enough for your expenses, you have enough for charity, you have enough to invest. Of course you could learn that. Uh, could you learn, you know, how to protect it once you build some assets? How do you protect your business or your stock portfolio or your real estate portfolio, you know, or your commodity? Could you learn how to do that? Well, yes, I can. Right? Could you learn how to use debt as leverage? And could you learn some techniques to get out of debt faster if you don't know them right now? And then everybody says, well, yeah, I could learn it if I wanted to. Great. So the question now is, are you interested in learning it or are you committed? Are you interested? Because if you're interested, you can do what's easy and convenient. But if you're committed, you'll do whatever it takes. And so if you're not committed, um, fuck having that as an intention and a goal. Because you're not going to achieve it. So stop, you know, uh, jerking around with yourself and hallucinating that magically it's going to happen. It won't. Like, end that story now. Hope and prayer, okay, is not a great strategy. And the drug of choice for most people is hopium, you know, where they're <laughs> hoping, 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 hoping something changes. Nothing will change until you change. And so just have a dose of reality and get committed to an outcome because all of the how. Every single how that you want is already here. So the how is not your problem. The knowledge and skills or lack of them is not your problem. The problem is making a commitment to the outcome you want and then already following the how that exists. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, experiencing myself open to this message. And I'm wondering, you pretty much have to be open or you're going to be wasting your breath. You probably have chosen or, or figured out how to uh, leave the person alone in the airplane seat if, they, if they're not receptive out of the gate. And I'm just wondering how, how this plays out in real life with such as friends, family members, um, you know, people that you love and care for that could probably use a little John Asaraf right now in this area of their lives. But as a mentor and, and, and a leader and all that, how do, you, uh, how do you dispense your information in real life? Um, so I learned, um, I learned this a long time ago, Brad, and, and this is a pearl of wisdom. Are you ready? Ready. I am not in the convincing business. Period. End of story. Um, if what I share with people resonates uh, of truth uh, and resonates uh, of where they are in their lives, that they'd like to, um, you know, learn more, um, I welcome, you know, I welcome you. It, it, you know, into the space, into the orbit, uh, into making progress. Uh, if you're just supposed to listen to it and, you know, just do something else, great, do that. Um, but I am not here to convince you. Um, you know, a lot of times I just say, uh, I like to observe people who've achieved what I want to achieve. And then I ask, how did they do that? You know, how did they think? Uh, how did they manage their emotions? What did they learn? What did they read? What did they do? How did they plan? How did they strategize so that I can mimic and mirror their results? And uh, I have my blueprints. I have my blueprints for health and wealth and relationships, career and business and finances uh, and fun and, and the stuff that makes my life, you know, worthwhile living for me. Now, if anybody wants um, my blueprints, if anybody wants to uh, uh, surround themselves in the environment so that they can at least have a starting point and a process, then I welcome them. 
And if they don't, I love them and say, great, um, find, find what resonates with you. But That's gotta I be. try to convince people to listen to my music. <laughs> if they resonate with the music I'm singing, then wonderful, sing along. That's got to be tough at times. No. You're okay. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're letting go I'm of not, the uh, attachment I'm to the outcome. I'm not responsible for you. I'm responsible to you. Uh, and uh, we, we talk about parenting uh, now and then on the show. I think it's an important topic. So, you know, as your kids were at different ages and different checkpoints, now they're, they're adults. Uh, have you kind of uh, revised your parenting style to have more or less impact or inject some important things into the mix, uh, whether they like it or not? They're living with you, your house, you're under control. I, I imagine there's some different dynamics there. Um, so my kids are 25 and 23 now. And so they, they live with their friends. Um, I, I talk to them almost every single day, see them every week. Um, and um, everything that I have, you know, learned uh, and taught them when they were younger, they're out exploring and experiencing uh, some things uh, they're doing um, the way I would other things they're not. And that's the way they're going to learn. And so I'm in a state of observation without judgment or blame or shame or guilt. And uh, they know I love them unconditionally and care about them and here to support them and love them and guide them. Uh, and if they don't follow my um, thoughts or ideas, uh, I'm okay with that. That's how they're going to learn. And so I'm letting them be them. And um, the thing, one of the things, my uh, hierarchy of operating uh, in the world is before I existed, um, there were about 107 billion humans uh, that walked on Earth, or up until now anyway. And the universe is pretty intelligent. And the intelligence in every human being is so unbelievable that I trust that. And so, you know, I, I did uh, as much as I could with love uh, for and with my children. and. Um, now it's their turn to apply and learn and make mistakes and succeed and figure everything out and uh, to share their lives with me in as little or as much detail as they like. And I'm totally cool with that. Love it, man. Well said. Thank you. Very nice. Uh, to tell us about how you work with clients. You've mentioned that many times. What's your operation like? Sure. So uh, myneurogym.com is a company that I developed and we have uh, uh, some coaching programs. We have a coaching program called Exceptional Life Coaching. Um, that's a, a year-long program at uh, $297 a year for 72 live trainings. Um, we have some brain training programs for winning the game of money, winning the game of fear, winning the game of procrastination, winning the game of weight loss, winning the game of business, which is brain training programs and knowledge and skills videos. Uh, and then people get access to our community. I do one-on-one uh, -on -one consulting with, uh, with individuals, which is very, very high-end consulting, um, which is out of most people's range. Uh, and so a variety of different programs and services. I do uh, some keynotes, not very much uh, around the world. Um, I used to do it around the world. Now it's mostly by, by <laughs> Zoom. Um, you know, and uh, so that's, uh, that's how we work. Uh, tell us about this, uh, this movie uh, scene. You've been in a bunch of movies. <laughs> uh, I was in uh, one of the smash blockbusters, uh, The Secret, many years ago. What, uh, playing yourself? Uh, you, you were life coaching the people, or what were you doing in there? It was, it was more of a story around vision boards and creating um, you know, vision board. And uh, I created the, my vision board with a house that I wanted and I ended up living, buying and living the house that was on the vision board uh, many years earlier, uh, which was a bizarre story of, uh, I didn't know where the house was when I cut it out of a magazine. Uh, I just used to visualize it every day when I used to live in uh, Toronto, uh, Canada, and I'm sorry, Indiana. Uh, and then five years later, I ended up buying the house in San Diego and didn't even know that I bought it. And so that story made it into the movie The Secret. And, um, and so that was one, one of the movies I was in. And just a bunch of personal development movies, uh, whether it was with Richard Branson and the Dalai Lama, um, you know, or a variety of other movies, just on personal development. So, you know, stories, processes, systems, very similar to, you know, this podcast where you're asking me a bunch of questions and I answer them. 
those movies were very, very similar. Well, I was going to ask you what you think of this uh, hip new trend of manifesting and and uh, making vision boards, and I, I think you kind of answered that uh, there's something to it. I've I've sort of I have to admit I've kind of discounted this stuff for a long time. Maybe because the the picture that some people paint that you you know you, you dream that your uh, your ideal man's got a, a trim beard and he flies in a private jet and uh, gets out and, and gets into his Ferrari and it seemed kind of silly uh, looking from an outside. But now I've had some guests on the show. They've talked about the you know how this thing works and um, boy, you, you bought the house you bought the house you cut out of a magazine and didn't know it. That's I, I don't know, I don't think I've ever heard anything top that man. Yeah, and um, and so there was in the movie The Secret we talked about you know this thing called the law of attraction, and um, most people um, misunderstand what this law of attraction is, and um, they forget that the last six letters of the word attraction is action, and and so when you take inspired action and you are in resonance with the vision, the goal, you know the dream that you have. Um, now we're in resonance. You know, we, we are molecular structures, right? We have 100 trillion cells in our body that vibrate and oscillate at a certain, we'll call it frequency. Uh, when that vibration is in resonance with the vision or the goals that you have, and you have the mindset to focus on it, you know, the emotions to be able to resonate with it, but also the behaviors to achieve it, um, now we're able to attract things. Now, what I can't explain yet, Brad, and I've studied a lot of quantum physics and, and quantum mechanics around how is it possible for me to cut a, a picture of a house, um, put it on a dream board, see it for you know every day and visualize it every day, and then how did I actually end up buying that house five years later uh, on you know six acres, 325 orange trees on the top of a mountain, uh, how is that possible? That piece I can't answer from a factual, logical piece. That is still a mystery of the mind um, that I don't know if I'll ever understand, you know, that at that level. But I can give you my best guess of that, of being in total resonance and harmony uh, with that, that somehow there's something happening at this quantum field uh, of potentiality that I just resonated with and integrated with on every level. I was in, in that flow that every athlete knows, right? I was, I was in flow with that so much that somehow that became a reality. And, um, but, I, but again, if you want to go to the scientific explanation of that, which is where I tend to go to, um, I can't answer that final little piece of, uh, of how that was possible. If you look at the mathematical possibility of that happening, it's <laughs> astronomically against it happening, but it did. And it wasn't a house like it. It was the house. <laughs> um, and so that's still a thing. You know, if I had a big, long beard, I'd go, hmm, things that make me go, hmm. And that's just a lifelong pursuit of being curious to find the answer. John Asaraf, well done. Amazing show. We're going to go get the book, Inner Size, The New Science to Unlock Your Brain's Hidden Power. And then tell us about the website again, your, your training website. Great. So they, uh, people can go to myneurogym.com, M-Y-N-E-U-R-O-G-Y-M, myneurogym.com. Um, if they want to find out um, a little bit about a brain training event that we have called the Brainathon, just go to brainathon123.com, brainathon123.com. John Asaraf, thanks for listening, everybody. That's a wrap. Da, 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 da. Go take some action now. Thank you for listening to the show. We would love your feedback at getoveryourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And we would also love if you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a hassle. You have to go to desktop iTunes, click on the tab that says ratings and reviews, and then click to rate the show anywhere from five to five stars. And it really helps spread the word so more people can find the show and get over themselves, because they need to. Thanks for doing it.